Felix Rosenquist, who was on the pole a year ago for Arrow McLaren, will lead the field of green here in the PPG 375. Oh, Rosenquist with a monster jump. Look at all the cars dropping left sides in the grass as Arrow McLaren runs first, third, and fourth there. Teammates O'Ward and Rossi side by side in the orange and black cars. Meanwhile, Scott Dixon around the outside of the pole sitter to take the lead. The five-time winner here is out in front. That's a brave and forceful move from Dixon, setting the tone for this race. Man, there's a lot of action, a lot of moving around, even at the back of the field. And look at Rossi, I believe, going side by side there. Joseph Newgar's now taking second place away from Felix Rosenquist. I think great laps off the start from both Scott Dixon and Joseph Newgar. As Joseph maybe tries the outside of Scott and he takes the point. So oh, someone's radio. into the wall. I think that's Sato. Sato. Takuma Sato in his first drive for Chip Ganassi Racing. Up high, way high, and boom. Contact on pit road between Kyle Kirkwood and Alexander Rossi, who is still trying to get his car to start back up. Rossi leaving his stall, Kirkwood coming into his stall. Bam, right there's the contact. Green, 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 here we go, racing again in Texas. Great jump from Joseph Newgarn. Alex Pelot in the blue and white car trying to go on the outside of Pato Award. I think he's going to make it stick. He gets into second place. How about Roman Grosjean, that yellow and red DHL car, and Scott McLaughlin, the yellow and white car is up front. They're side by side, Diff. For the lead of this race, Alex Pelot on the high side of Joseph Newgarden. Can you go up high? You sure can. Lead. Oh, Battle for the lead. Here we go. Has caught Joseph Newgarden. Caught and passed. He was over two seconds behind Joseph. Joseph not really in traffic at the moment. Side by side. Newgarden does not want to relinquish that lead. Award has something more to say about it. Wow, that was a forceful demonstration from Pato Award. This yellow and red car is running in third place as Pato Award is one of only two cars now on the lead lap. Joseph Newgarden seven seconds back. I haven't seen a performance like this in Texas ever. This is dominant. Unfortunately, we are under yellow again, folks, here at Texas Motor Speedway. It is for Felix Rosenquist. Here comes Newgarden, second to first. He's on a mission. He wants that third win here in Texas, and Award says not just yet. You want to see Brave Racing? Welcome to Texas Motor Speedway. They are all going big. Pelot to the front. Pelot splits the difference, takes advantage of the side-by-side -side in one and two. We got a car in the wall, Stingray Rob. This helps Pato Award massively. Stingray Rob's going to have a big hit. You thought he was going to slide along the wall, but the right side steering arm probably broke. Pato Award in third. Watch out for the Ninja. The man with the fast hands in IndyCar is on the move. He's got so much fresh grip hitch, and he's put it to good work. That took about two laps for Pato Award to go to the front. I'll pass you. I'll pass you, too, while I'm at it. Why not? Dixon watching what's going oh. on. Two cars in the wall. Graham Rahal. Devlin DeFrancesco, I believe, as well. This is maybe the beginning of the Devlin DeFrancesco problem. Yes. Yep. It sure is. Right behind Renus VK. Classic situation. Washes up. Car's damaged. Tries to get to the pits but can't turn. And up 
from Pato awarding that. Arrow McLaren Chevy plants it and takes off. But watch Grosjean and Dixon further back. David Malukas trying to stop Grosjean from making it three wide. So they line up two by two. Very high for the number 28 of Roman Grosjean right there. Dixon's got the early advantage. Look out, here comes Pelot on O'Ward. Pelot to the low side. And further back, David Malukas is absolutely back in the mix. He makes a move on Colton Herta. Side by side, Joseph Newgarden. Pato is gonna try to go with him. He's looking three wide, Pato Award. David Malukas in the mix, that fourth car in shot. This is just awesome. Inches between cars at 200 plus miles an hour. David Malukas now on the top side over Alex Pelot to put himself up onto the podium, maybe. But Pelot's not giving up. Alex Pelot wants to mix it up once again, but Award hanging high, but he's using up those tires up on the slipperier surface. Looks like Grosjean crashed. Romain Grosjean out for the second race in a row. There's the touch. But he was sliding up in it. David Malukas is incredibly lucky that he wasn't collected in that as well. Yeah. Checkered flag is out. The PPG 375 at Texas Motor Speedway is won by Joseph Newgarden in the PPG Chevrolet for Team Penske. Three wins at Texas Motor Speedway for this man here. Watch the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach, Sunday, April 16th at 3 p.m. on NBC. And with that, Welcome to episode 20 of the Push to Pass podcast. I am Derek Vance, and joining me here, as usual here on another Tuesday, is Joshua Roberts. You were watching uh, the highlights uh, from this past Sunday's uh, PPG 375. Uh, first and foremost, uh, congratulations uh, to uh, Joseph Newgarden there in uh, in his number two uh, PPG Paints uh, Chevrolet for collecting uh, his second uh, consecutive win uh, at Texas, if you remember, just uh, one year ago. Uh, what an exciting finish uh, between him and his uh, teammate uh, Scott McLaughlin. Uh, but uh, Josh, uh, we'll uh, we'll get into this uh, race here a little bit. Uh, we'll discuss. Uh, we'll we'll obviously uh, review uh, what uh, what our eyes told us on uh, on Sunday. Uh, later in the show, uh, at the uh, bottom half of the hour, uh, we'll be joined by Caleb Hatch. Uh, for people that have been uh, OGs, as we like to say, uh, listeners of uh, of this podcast. Uh, you heard Caleb uh, last year also. Uh, he is featured on his own uh, podcast as well, New Track Record, and I'm sure we will um, uh, discuss that uh, as well uh, when he when he joins us here in the next few minutes. And then also, too, at the uh, bottom half of the hour, as usual, the ma- one of the mainstays uh, on this show, uh, Mike from uh, Burnout Bets uh, is going to join us, and uh, he's going to he's going to be able to gloat, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this week on uh, uh, some of the uh, of the money uh, that he made, and maybe you made. I know uh, uh, Josh made a little bit uh, as well, uh, courtesy of Mike. So uh, we'll let him uh, talk about that uh, when he comes on. Uh, towards the uh, end of the show. And then we have a couple uh, news items. I think uh, uh, one of the news items, uh, Josh may blow a gasket on. Uh, Hopefully not. Don't want to see that on air, but he may do that, and then uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the OGs of the uh, NTT IndyCar series uh, is going to be staying on for a, a couple more years. 
like I said, uh, we'll get into that uh, uh, later in the show. But uh, first and foremost, Josh, uh, like we said, uh, welcome back. Uh, this is uh, episode 20. Uh, this past weekend, the NTT IndyCar Series was at the Texas Motor Speedway uh, for the PPG uh, 375 uh, won by uh, the aforementioned uh, Joseph Newgarden. Uh, but uh, for the majority of the race, you know, he did lead 123 laps, uh, but uh, it was Pato Award who basically, in, in all sense of the word, uh, pretty much lapped the field. Oh, yeah. Pato, uh, Pato's, he's he's got to feel like there's, uh, like the universe is against him. Uh, two races in a row, he, uh, he so, something happens to where, I mean, he has, he has a superior car to whoever win, whoever won the race, but uh you know, uh, the first race, that one split second where his engine just shut off and it and was overtaken. And then this week, uh, I think he could have caught Newgarden, but, uh, you know, that, that, that last caution came out. And unfortunately, unlike uh, the, their, um, their competitor, the uh, NASCAR on the other side, they do not have an overtime, you know, green-white checkered. Uh, so it all ended on a, uh, anticlimactic, um, caution lap. And I know new garden will take it any way he can, but I, I'm, I'm fairly sure that, uh, that Pato wish he w- wishes that wouldn't have happened. Cause I think Pato would have been a, would have caught him. Uh, once again, another, uh, disappointing day for uh, Dublin D Francesco. I mean, he, he, he actually made it a lot farther in the race this year, this week, but, uh, just, just ended up, um, Ended up not being able to uh, finish the race this week for a second uh, second race in a row. We'll be uh, I'll be rooting for him to be able to finish at uh, Long Beach, but uh, just just a action packed um, action packed race. Uh, you know, there's controversy in the pits. Whose uh, who, whose responsibility is it? Uh, what should should he have, should the uh, driver have been uh, penalized for what he did? Whose responsibility is it? The driver coming in, is the driver going out? It was it was a great race all around. Um, I know the uh, the ratings you were telling me were uh, weren't there wasn't as many view as much viewership this week uh, this year as there was last year. Probably about down about a hundred thousand um, hundred thousand viewers, but um, still a good uh, over eight hundred thousand uh, people tuned in to watch the race. And hopefully Long Beach will be a lot better. Uh, there won't be I don't. Except for baseball, there won't be uh, really anything competing with it. I know the um, the race ran into uh, ran into the when the uh, NCAA Women's Final Four National Championship, which we, if anybody's been following that, that was a uh, that was a crazy game. But um, all in all, I think Texas was a uh, was a big success, um, and it's all it's uh, on to Long Beach. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot to unpack uh, there, as you just uh, uh, you just stated. Uh, it, it seems like it's got to be for uh, for Pato Award and uh, that uh, whole Arrow McLaren team. Uh, it's got to be a little deja vu, uh, I think, because you know you talked about uh, the incident that uh, happened to uh, to Pato there on uh, with a handful of laps left at at St. Petersburg, where you know you have this you know one out of a hundred chance uh, of your engine. Uh, turning off for for that split second, and we've seen uh, what uh, what that does, uh, to, or excuse me, what that did to 
uh, uh, Pato, and then you have this week where he has the the most dominant car, and, and you'll be able to hear a little bit of uh, radio audio at the end of that race uh, towards the uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, but yes, he had the the dominant car. Uh, yeah, he led you know he led ninety one of the two hundred and fifty laps. Uh, but at one point, uh, he basically had the whole field lapped. Uh, that's that's the quite the uh, the dominant car that uh that Pato had uh you talked about uh, uh Devlin D Francesca two uh, two races in a row uh bad luck for him hopefully uh the the racing gods uh you know help him out here as this uh, season unfolds uh, off to a, a horrendous start not only is uh, Devlin D Francesca off to a hell horrible start but i think that whole uh, Andretti camp um is doing a little bit of head scratching uh there as well and then you talked about the incident uh, in on or on pit road uh, between uh, Andretti Autosport, uh, Kyle Kirkwood, and uh, Errol McLaren, uh, Alexander Rossi. Uh, for people that didn't uh, catch this um, on the race, uh, I know we'll, we'll probably discuss it with uh, Caleb when he comes on here shortly. Uh, but what Josh was referring to is uh, it was in a pit sequence. Um, Alexander Rossi was in his pit. Uh, he's getting ready to come out. Now, a, a little bit of insight for people that may not know um, all of the uh, ins and outs of how IndyCar uh, pitting works. You have your right front tire changer is the guy or girl uh, responsible for telling their driver uh, that it's all clear and he can come out of his pits. Well, that's what the right front tire changer, excuse me, uh, did for, uh, for Alexander Rossi. Uh, but... Uh, and and the reason why that uh, he told Alexander that it was all clear to uh, was that he's seen that uh, Kyle Kirkwood in the number twenty-seven uh, Andretti Autosport um, uh, Auto Nation entry was on the or coming down the right side of the pit lane. Now, if you're on the right side of the pit lane, that tells that right front tire changer that you've cut your you're you're gonna get speed and you're coming out of your pits. But what you're supposed to be doing, if you have not pitted yet, is you're supposed to be on that left-hand side of the lane. That tells the front tire changer that you're getting ready to go into your pit stall. Well, uh, Kyle Kirkwood was in that fast lane, as it's considered, and uh, they kind of uh, had a uh, had a uh, a brush, uh, a bump coming out of there. Um, I think all of us, especially the people on TV, uh, thought that uh, this was Kyle Kirkwood's uh, fault. Uh, but unfortunately, um, IndyCar didn't see it that way. Uh, the IndyCar officials uh, put uh, Alexander Rossi uh, at fault, um, which I and I think Josh uh, 100% uh, disagree with. Uh, we'll see if that call uh, if that call ends up being changed at some point. Um, I don't think it will be. Uh, listening to Trackside with Kurt Cabin uh, just a few minutes ago um, while I was out, technically it is the exiting drivers responsibility to yield to the car to the uh to the cars coming in now the problem i have is like you said he was in the right lane the right front tire changer must have forgotten that kirkwood was actually in their pit stall was in front of front of uh um uh, was in front of theirs so it actually was it actually was Alexander Rossi's fault. So they technically, by the rules, they were it, the uh, IndyCar was correct in their ruling. Now, should it be that way? 
I don't know. But by the rules, Rossi was was the um, was was the culprit. He w- he was at fault for it. So um, I don't think it will be changed. The outcome will not be changed. Uh, that was an interesting thing that I found right before I came on here. Good, uh, good stuff there. Uh, thanks, courtesy of uh, Trackside with uh, Kevin Lee and uh, Kurt Cavan. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, good, uh, good uh, uh, breakdown uh, of that. Um, uh, something else too, I think that uh, uh, IndyCar may have to consider, or uh, maybe the chatter uh, is going to get a little louder. And, and I know. Uh, Caleb on their uh, Twitter page put out a poll uh, asking if there should be a green-white checker uh, at the end, just in case if you have an incident there where you're down to a few laps and you have a, a crash between, you know, with, with another competitor, but you have two uh, top cars, like kind of like NASCAR does uh, with their overtime. Uh, we'll get in that, uh, Caleb, here when he joins us here uh, shortly. Uh, before we show you the uh, results uh, from Sunday's race, uh, Josh also touched on something too uh, that was put out actually earlier today. Um, Adam Stern on on Twitter, uh, great follow if you are into racing uh, at a underscore s twelve. Uh, Adam Stern on Twitter. Uh, NBC uh, got eight hundred and thirty thousand viewers uh, for IndyCar at uh, Texas this past weekend, and that is actually down, uh, believe it or not. Uh, from last year's event, which got uh, 954,000 uh, viewers. So, uh, you know, Josh, uh, something we continue to harp on uh, when it comes to uh, IndyCar, and, and I think the facts um, stand on our side uh, right now that uh, IndyCar is, is just doesn't do a great job when it comes to not only branding the series, uh, but branding individual events outside of the Indy 500. Oh, most definitely they don't do a good job branding. Um, I don't know what to tell them. I mean, you gotta, you gotta get uh, like we've talked about. We you gotta get uh, better sponsors. Um, PPG is an awesome sponsor, but and so I'm not so- talking about the title sponsor for the events. I am talking about the people that are sponsoring the cars. Um, you got to be able to get those um, get those drivers out there and um, to a uh, to you know even if it's a restaurant you know I just saw a few minutes ago um, one of our favorite golfers uh, John Daly was at Augusta uh, earlier today signing um, signing autographs in uh, in a Hooters I mean he's a bit he's he's sponsored by Hooters that's an example get get a get a driver out there that is can go to uh, a local venue somewhere in uh, in the in the town that they're at and um, you know drum up some business uh, you know sign some autographs I know they're they do stuff here in Indy whenever they're here in Indy but that's only Indy I just don't think they and they they don't they don't market their drivers well they don't market their um, their show their their races well on TV. Uh, I think they thought, seeing the fact that they went, they uh, started all of them becoming on Peacock, that it was going to uh, somehow boost their ratings. It hasn't. Um, I hope that it. I hope that they can figure it out, but um, we'll only time will tell. 
was uh, was uh, John Daly out there uh, at Hooters uh, giving away uh, free packs of cigarettes and, and Diet Cokes. That, that would seem like that would uh, make sense. But uh, uh, be that as it may, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, IndyCar is able to uh, figure that out because, uh, you know, it, it's obviously not a good sign for your product when uh, when you're uh, losing uh, losing viewership from from one race uh, to another. Uh, let's take all. a look. <clears throat> yeah, let's take a look at uh, at the uh, results. Uh, from Sunday's race, as you see up on screen, and then uh, we'll be joined to hear shortly by uh, by Caleb Hatch of uh, New Track Record uh, Podcast. But as we said, uh, Joseph Newgarden, uh, leading 123 laps, uh, finished uh, P1, and then he was followed by uh, Pato Award in second place, who uh, led 91 laps. Uh, Alex Pillow in third, uh, finishing out the podium. Uh, he led 22 laps. Uh, David Malukas, a great run for the uh, second-year vet there from HDM uh, Motorsports. He finished fourth. Uh, Scott Dixon, uh, one of the OGs in uh, in IndyCar, uh, finished uh, thir- finished fifth. Excuse me, leading three laps. Uh, Scott McLaughlin. Uh, finished sixth. Uh, Colton Herta finished seventh. He led four laps. Uh, defending uh, uh, Indy 500 champion uh, Marcus Erickson finished eighth. Uh, what a run for uh, Callum Eilat, uh finishing ninth and then rounding out the top ten. Uh, four-time Indy 500 winner Elio Castroneves. Uh, coming home 11th, uh, Renus VK, the highest finishing rookie, and I think this has got to be uh, come as a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, but coming home 12th in that uh, Hunkos Hollander uh, uh, racing is August, uh, Augustin uh, Campapino. So a uh, great run there by, by uh, Capapino. Uh, 13th, Ed Carpenter. Uh, 14th, Roman Grosjean. Uh, 15th, uh, Benjamin Peterson. So I think, uh, Josh, we uh, predicted that one right. We were hoping uh, Ben would have a uh, better showing, and uh, obviously he did there coming home 15th. Uh, Will Power coming home 16th. It was a head-scratching uh, run, I think, for uh, for Will Power. A lot, uh, a lot went wrong at uh, Texas uh, for that uh, Verizon uh, Team Penske Chevrolet team. Uh, 17th was Simon Pagano, uh, 18th, Jack Harvey, 19th, uh, Christian Lungard, 20th, the uh, Noblesville native Connor Daly, uh, 21st, Santino Ferrucci, 22nd, Alexander Rossi, 23rd, as you mentioned, uh, Devlin DeFrancesca, uh, 24th, uh, Graham Rahal, uh, 25th, Stingray Rob, which I know you had a uh, a uh, bet on, and uh, you were uh, hoping that that was going to uh, come to uh Fruition, unfortunately, uh, late in the race, uh, Stingray uh, did uh, have a uh, contact with the wall. He did lead one lap. Uh, pole sitter Felix Rosenquist uh, led four laps. He finished 26th. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood finished 27th. And uh, finishing last was Takuma Sato. So uh, that is uh, your look at, at the uh, results, the uh, way they finished there at uh, Texas. Uh, let's take a look real quick here at the uh, point standings after two races, and then we will bring in uh, Caleb Hatch, our guest, for this evening's show. Uh, Taking a look again, like I said, at the driver standings uh, after two races, it is Pato Award, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, Alex Pillow round out your top five, six, David Malukas, seven, Callum Eilat, eighth, Scott McLaughlin, ninth, Will Power, tenth, Alexander Rossi. Uh, currently 11th, Colton Herta, 12th, Augustin Campino, 13th, Graham Rahal, followed by Christian Lungard, Roman Grosjean, uh, Renus VK, 
Elio Castroneves, Connor Daly, Jack Harvey, and rounding out the top 20 is Kyle Kirkwood. Stingray Rob is 21, followed by Benjamin Peterson, Marcus Armstrong, Simon Pagino, Felix Rosenquist, Ed Carpenter, Santino Ferrucci, Delvin DeFrancesca, and rounding out the point standings is Takuma Sato. So uh, that is your look not only at the results of Sunday's race, but the current point standings as well. So let's bring in Josh. Uh, it is time to bring in our uh, guest for this episode. Uh, returning to the uh, podcast uh, uh, mainstay uh, for so many years currently on uh, 1190 WoWo. And then also, too, he has his own uh, podcast, which uh, I would highly suggest going and checking out the new or the new track record podcast, none other than Caleb Hatch. Uh, Caleb, again, first and foremost, huge thank you for uh, returning to the show. Uh, a lot to go over here as uh, me and Josh have uh, so far about the race on on Sunday. Uh, but uh, let's hear it from you. What did uh, what did you see? Well, I mean, it was uh, first off, thanks for having me back on. And just an update, I'm actually with 1380 The Fan in Fort Wayne now, so uh, doing a morning sports talk show there. But, uh, you know, this this was everything you could ask for for a Texas IndyCar race in this modern era of IndyCar. You're, it's not quite pack racing, but you're having good, close competition. And I thought it was a great race. It's just unfortunate. It, it seems to be IndyCar's luck that the TV rating that came out today was terrible. Yeah, we touched on that a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we've kind of the last few episodes, uh, Caleb, we've been trying to, you know, figure out where IndyCar can improve, uh, where can they do better. I know, I think they were down, I think, what, over 100,000 uh, viewers, mm-hmm. I believe. And plus this being on the main NBC network, not being on Peacock. So, you know, that's got to be uh, disappointing as well. Um, speaking from a viewership, you know, any idea uh, what you have um, to how IndyCar can improve and get those viewership numbers back up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's so simple, right? It, the scheduling to start the seasons just it it doesn't work to grow your audience. You have St. Pete, and then you take a month off. It's not helpful. Um, it's gonna the audience. You have diehards who are tuning in, and then maybe people who caught it who are motorsports fans, but just out of sight, out of mind. I think that's step number one, uh, going green flag, you know, just after 11 o'clock central time and DFW area. I mean, that, that's hard to draw a crowd uh, on a Sunday. And I get that fans like earlier start times in the Midwest, and that may be better in the summer, but uh, for something like that early in the season, you, you're, you'd be better served with a, a later start time, I know they were dealing with weather, so it worked out on that aspect, but those are just a couple suggestions, but I, I just think honestly, you, you have to find a way to fill that month long gap because I think it's the biggest issue is you have the opener, then you disappear for several weeks and, and people are like, Oh, I guess that's it until the Indy 500. And I think that's, that's part of the problem. And hopefully they'll fill that with perhaps Argentina next year. We'll see how that plays out. But I think that's the biggest thing is just you're out of sight, out of mind after St. Pete. And unfortunately, uh, Texas, at least TV wise, was a victim. Racing was great. Don't get me wrong. The crowd was noticeably up. Now it's not not hard to go up after last year's crowd, unfortunately. But they're building momentum for that event. It should be back next year. That's positive. It's just a, a bummer that there weren't more eyeballs on it on TV sets across the country. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up um, how much 
marketing and how much advertising is done for the Indianapolis 500. I know uh, me and Josh have spoken uh, to with a few people, and that's one of the things that's brought up too is outside of the Indianapolis 500, none of the other races are really that advertised or mm-hmm. or, or that build up. So I do, I do believe you're absolutely right that uh, IndyCar needs to do a, a better job of, uh, of doing that. Uh, something else I know you noticed, or well, I, I know you put out on Twitter uh, earlier today at uh, your uh, uh, podcast page on Twitter, uh, asking about the ending of the race. Do you mm-hmm. want to see the the green white checker? I, I thought that was interesting. I think that's going to be maybe the talk of the paddock here uh, going forward. Kind of doing the same thing that uh, NASCAR does because you got to feel, you got to absolutely feel for for Pato Award such a punch in the gut on uh, on sunday you know he had the dominant car for uh the last half of that race basically had the whole field lapped and one incident uh kind of uh, put a damper uh, on his day yeah you know the green white checker discussion is interesting because myself and my my podcast co-hosts go back and forth on this and and we'll we'll have this debate on the show this week uh probably when we do our episode on wednesday or, or thursday most most likely thursday but um, the debate over that, I, I think you can get into a lot of things as far as the entertainment aspect, but just the realities from an economic standpoint, the, the series and the teams can't afford to do a green, white checkered finish. Um, you have that much carnage late in the race. The owners aren't going to go for it. The series probably is not going to go for it. Um, I don't think Pinsky is going to be in favor of doing something like that just for entertainment purposes. Um, but and for Pato, I mean, it's just unfortunate. Uh, two races in the season now, and he's had uh, a weird plenum fire in the engine uh, coming out of the the final turn with just a few laps left, finishes second in a race that he otherwise would have won, most likely. I know Erickson was coming, but I don't know if you can get past that late in the race. And then, obviously, what we saw on Sunday with just the restarts and everything after dominating the bulk of that race. But look, that's oval racing in any car. We saw Jeff's new garden dominated Iowa in both races last year, only got one win after he crashed out in in one of them. So that's just the reality of IndyCar, right? You got to close and he's still got two second place finishes to start the season, obviously the championship leader. So, I I mean, there are worse things, I guess, to happen. And I'm sure he'll get those wins, but that has been the thing with this Aaron McLaren team over the years is can they close? And I think that's what we need to see them be able to do here as the season goes along, because this is supposed to be the year, right? We thought it was last year. They'd either win Indy and or the championship. And now it feels like this year, the pressure's ramped up even more to accomplish those goals. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and before I, I, I know Josh has a few things uh, mm-hmm. to ask you too. Uh, I, I picked Pato not only to uh, get his first 500 win this year, uh, but to uh, win the points championship. So I, I think you're absolutely right. When you talk about Aaron McLaren, uh, figuring out how to how to close out a race and 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 they're oh so close, uh, but uh, you know I, I think uh, by the end of the season uh, they are going to figure out how to uh, close uh, close that door for sure. Uh, Josh, I know you had a couple things uh, earlier we talked about uh, that you wanted to ask uh, Caleb, so uh, the floor is yours. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Caleb. Yeah, uh, it's nice to meet you. Um, so you say that the teams won't won't allow green uh, what. Green white checkered because of the carnage. Do you th- you think there would really be that that big of a of a of a wreck that might happen? I mean, 
I, I can see, I see with I see with NASCAR. I mean, they do have it on the lot when they do the green right check. But I don't think they don't uh, they don't bang around as much, in my opinion, in IndyCar as they do in um, as they do in NASCAR. And could they maybe make a rule where okay, every only people that are on the uh, that are on the lead lap, they uh, they're the only ones that are allowed to do it. Or I don't know. I just ending a ending a a race the way that it did. It's just so anticlimactic, and it to me it turn it turns me off from it. I just I just don't like seeing, you know, like Pato had the chance. He was there. I think he would have caught him if there would have been a green white checkered, and he just didn't get the chance. Yeah, you know, I I understand the entertainment aspect. I just I think from the team perspective, and I don't even th- I don't I don't I'm not speaking for the drivers here. I'm just speaking what I think they would say, but I don't know if the drivers would be in favor of it either. Um, th- these are the same people remember who did not like the double file restarts when they had those uh, back around 10, 12 years ago. Uh, they had those for the Indy 500 and they didn't like those. So I, I just think the risk compared to the reward uh, is too too great of a gap for NASCAR. As you mentioned, they can they can bang around those cars a lot more. And for IndyCar, yes, we, we saw guys have contact. Herta and Grosjean made brief contact. Uh, Pato and Newgard made brief contact, but everyone's going to be going for the win as far as, you know, in a situation like Texas where they're on the lead lap and they're going for it at the end, you're just, you're asking, I think from a safety standpoint, you're asking for crashes and you're putting guys in a position where they're just not going to want to be a part of that. You got to remember some of these guys, you go back to Fontana 2015 and there was a mixed reaction on that race. You had Will Power basically saying, I don't want to be a part of this if this is what we're going to be on ovals. And Ed, Ed Carpenter on the flip, flip side saying, you know, bring it on. I, I want more races like this. And that was, you know, pretty controversial at the time. Um, then we saw the cr- big crashes at Pocono over the years after that. So I, I just think from a, a team standpoint, one, as far as Texas is expensive enough as it is uh, when it comes to cost, if there's a crash. And I just think you're asking for race finishes where, you may get the the green white checkers and you may get the green and the white, but you're probably going to have a crash and, and you're not going to make multiple attempts to get it done like a NASCAR. Um, because I think fans of IndyCar love the purity aspect of, of just like the pure form of racing. And I think you get away from that. I think that's kind of the, the end all be all with the fan base. Unfortunately for, for people that look, I, I want to see a green flag finish, but I don't want to see it at the expense of additional carnage for no real reason. How long are those uh, purists going to live, though? I mean, we, we, we keep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it's it's true. I mean, there are they're not building the they're not building the fan base. The purists, like you said, are going to show up. They're going to show up. They're going to watch the race. But when those guys start to leave, who's going to be there? Who's going to be there to replace them? I mean, yeah, it's it's a legitimate question. I, I think the hard part for IndyCar is they're they're in a tough spot where because the majority of your fan base are the longtime hardcore fans and you're still trying to attract new fans. Whereas, you know, NASCAR has at least seen kind of a bit of a rebirth the last couple of years. I know this year they're struggling TV rating wise, but you have new young marketable drivers in NASCAR. And then obviously F1, we know the explosion uh, with that due to drive to survive as a factor. I don't think it's everything, but it's definitely been a factor in making F1 cool, at least here in America. I know worldwide people were, following it, you know, for a long time. So 
I think they have to work a very fine balance because they can't afford to risk uh, to take big swings like those other series can when it comes to their fan base. Like F1 is, is done in recent years with Liberty Media taking over what NASCAR has done, uh, adding new types of tracks and, you know, the street race in Chicago, dirt race at Bristol, uh, North Wilkesboro coming back on the schedule. These are popular moves for a lot of people, but it's also a way to attract new fans and IndyCar. We just haven't seen them take those swings. And part of it is one, I mean, it's, it's budget limitations. And another part of it is you can't afford to push away the people who are, are following you week in week out because the TV numbers suggest that there just isn't that much of a, a base beyond it being a niche sport right now. Okay. So that's a good, that's a good explanation. Uh, one other question I have for you, and this is a debate that I have all the time. And do you think we need to have more ovals on, on the, on the, uh, on the schedule? Um, I mean, I love a good rate road course. I love a good uh, street course, but I just, I like ovals a lot better. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm all in favor of more ovals. I mean, I, I don't think y- you've talked to many fans at least uh, American-based IndyCar fans who would say, oh, yeah, I don't want more ovals. I want more road and street course races. I think a, a happy balance is, you know, I think a lot of people point to uh, the year in cart where they had, I think, seven, seven, and seven as far as ovals, road course, street course, or, you know, doing kind of 10 and 10 split. I mean, at first point, we need more races, right? I mean, that, that's the first Oh, yeah, thing. definitely. So getting closer to that 20 number, which seems like a magic number for IndyCar, you know, could we add a race next year? You know, does Argentina mean an extra? Then you keep everything that's 18. That's a step forward. So just getting more races, getting up to that, you know, 18, 19, 20 number is, I think, a short-term goal. But ovals, yes. And I think Milwaukee, we've heard that as a possibility. We'll see how that plays out over the course of the summer. There's a possibility of that coming back. And then, you know, do you go to a Richmond? Do you go to a Homestead? Brooklyn, um, other oval tracks. Yeah, I'd love to go to Michigan. It's really close for me. Uh, it'd be a an easy drive, about two hours or so north for me. But uh, I mean, these are all questions you have, right? And you got to find a way to balance that and make it work. But I think for IndyCar, you need to add races first. If they happen to be an oval, that's a big benefit and, and bonus for the series. But right now, filling in those gaps on the schedule, I think, should be priority. Number one, as far as the scheduling goes, and then adding ovals, number two. And I, I think those will go hand in hand. I really think we'll see between Milwaukee, Richmond, and Homestead, I think we'll see at least one of those added over the next, you know, one to two years, if not more. One can only hope. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm just going to throw my my two cents in. One, I am 100% behind uh, more ovals and all you gotta do is go look at the racing uh, that we just witnessed this yes. past weekend at Texas. And two, uh, I want more night races. I think some of the liveries that these cars have would look amazing uh, under the lights, but uh, Caleb, I know we have you for a couple more minutes. I know you have a project uh, that you do uh, every week as well. Uh, you and your, uh, in your co-hosts there uh, talk about uh, uh, new track record uh, podcast. I know you touched on a little bit earlier. Uh, you know, uh, tell our viewers a little bit about that. And I know you have a upcoming episode as well. Yeah. Oh, well, and I, a quick thought. You know, it was a bummer. There are no night races on the schedule this year. That was a one downside, and not having those night races. And you know, you mentioned the, the racing. The racing we saw at Texas as a big step in a positive direction. I, I think one thing with the addition of the air screen, the safety features are great, but the oval racing has suffered. 
uh, just because this car was not built, you know, to have the aero screen attached to it, but they're finding ways to figure that out. And that's been a big positive here. Uh, you know, really outside the 21 Indy 500, it's been a struggle as far as on ovals, as far as the product goes, but I think it's, they're, they're trending in a positive direction with that. But as far as the podcast, yes, uh, we do weekly episodes, usually record Wednesday or Thursday. Um, just kind of depends on our schedules and how we make it work. Um, we race recaps, rumors, covering the main stories of the past week. Um, we do that every week. And then uh, you can find us on social media. IndyCar Podcast is the handle on Twitter and on all other outlets. And just love to interact with people on social media. And look, we don't know anything. We're just two guys talking IndyCar, kind of like you guys are, two guys talking IndyCar. So we have fun with it and uh, love talking about all the speculation. Of course, the elusive third engine manufacturer and international races. We always kind of joke about stuff like that, but uh, it's just a, a way for uh, fans to listen to a podcast by fans and, and be a part of it. Hey, Caleb, I have one other question. I yeah. didn't, uh, and we'll talk about more about this with Mike. Do you uh, get into the uh, gambling aspect of IndyCar? I know there's not a lot out there, uh, but do you, do you get into any of that? Uh, we usually will go over, and we haven't really done it yet this year. We'll usually go over kind of like the lines, but and and make we'll, we'll pick winners as far as like who we think will win. I think I I picked Rossi this week for the race, which looked good early until uh, that pit situation. But um, yeah, we'll we'll get into that and, and kind of say like, oh, here here's kind of the high value, low value stuff, especially for India. I think that's where it really comes into play because unfortunately, it's. I know it's pretty hit or miss as far as the other races on the schedule, as far as getting uh, some odds out there. Oh yeah. And that's, uh, that's one thing that uh, Mike, that we're going to talk to later on uh, talks about all the time. Um, I, for one think that the, uh, that IndyCar should invite in the uh, MGM, the bet MGM Caesars and all that. I think that would be a great uh, advertising for them. Um, I don't understand why they haven't gone there, but uh Thanks. I just was wondering, seeing uh, yeah. seeing you're up there, you're up there, and in, uh, Indi- you're still in Indiana, and we got sp- we got uh, live sports betting available. So yeah, they. I mean, they did that whole partnership with what was it Caesars last year? Caesars last year, yeah. It, it just never seemed like that went anywhere after Indy. I just think that would, having odds. Yeah, I think that would be a uh, another way that they could branch out and get some mm-hmm. um, get some eyeballs on because I know. For me, I like uh, if I have a uh, even if I li- if I have money on a game or a or a race, I, I find myself a lot more intent and uh, focused on the race or the or the sporting event one that I've got wagered on. But thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Caleb, as always, huge thank you for uh, joining or jumping on here and and joining us. Uh, Great success uh, with uh, with your podcast there. Love to uh, listen to it uh, when I get the opportunity, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, talk down the road and maybe even uh, hang out at the 500 in May. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Caleb. Yep, thank you. Uh, that was a Caleb Hatch of the new track record podcast. Highly, highly, highly suggest uh, go out and, uh, and and check that out. Uh, the work uh, he puts in is uh, obviously uh, second to none, as you see. Uh, let's get uh, Josh uh, to our sponsors uh, before we get, uh, and then after that, uh, we'll get to some of the uh, driver interviews uh, that we're able to uh, uh, pick up 
uh, after uh, Sunday's race, and then uh, we'll uh, be uh, close to uh, uh, shutting this down here for episode number 20, if you can uh, believe that or not. Uh, again, a uh, huge thank you, as, uh, as always, uh, to the sponsors uh, that uh, make it possible here to bring the Push to Pass podcast to you every Tuesday, the uh, week of uh, a IndyCar race. Uh, first and foremost, always ready, uh, 1776. If you're looking for any patriotic, patriotic apparel, uh, headwear, and other items, uh, go check out always1776.com. And if you do uh, find something that you like, uh, use the uh, promo code you see up on your screen, uh, push to pass for 10% off of your order. Uh, also, too, uh, if you are in the market for a uh, home redesign, uh, home uh, re redesign build or remodeling, uh, go check out uh, Getem Associates Incorporated, uh, getem.com. And as you see as well, uh, use the promo code push to pass for $250 off any design service. So huge thank you to both of those sponsors uh, for making it possible for us to bring you the push to pass podcast here every Tuesday. Uh, before we get to uh, uh, Mike and his uh, uh, earnings or, or winnings uh, that he was able to pick up uh, this week, uh, let's take a listen to some driver interviews that we were able to gather after Sunday's race. All right, we have finished the race and I'm honestly my quote for the whole entire weekend is going to be beautiful chaos. That was Wow, I don't, I don't even know how to put that into words. That was a really good race, so much fun. And we managed to have a decent car enough to be racing in the front packs. I mean, it was literally, you know, the top three teams of McLaren, Ganassi, and Penske, and then us, you know, little, little, little David Spud with Dale Coyne Racing and HMD Motorsports. So it was a blast. See, my adrenaline now is wearing off. I'm starting to get a little bit tired. You know, I'm normally high energy, but I'm, I'm starting to slow down a little bit. But it was a blast. I loved it. So thank you so much to the team. We had an amazing car, even through wall tapping and everything. Alignment was still perfect. So also thank you to Honda with Josh. They all did an amazing job as well. So thank you, everybody. We got more points on the board, and I'll see you at Long Beach. Definitely, uh, definitely an interesting day. We kind of uh, second stood on this thing, kind of got a weird uh, set of tires, maybe had loads of understeer, kind of lost some positions. And then towards the end there, the race got uh, tons of cautions. We kind of, kind of pitted off sequence maybe from some of the others. So in the long run, we just needed uh, we needed more laps. Uh, unfortunately, I think Kawa definitely had a good speed. I think a lot of the guys did. Uh, unfortunately, we made our fifth. So uh, not bad point to save, but ultimately, uh, we're here to win. Uh, I, I pretty good. I brought a pretty good day for the XL Chevy. Um, yeah, 15 to 6, there's no mean feat. Um, we actually went back to like 20 of them at the start, so I'm um, really proud of the team. Um, we had a few, uh, one bad pit stop, I made a couple of mistakes on the restart. It wasn't our perfect day, but to still come back and salvage the sixth place, um, big props to the team and my car and my team and my, my engineer Benny. So I feel really good going into the, yeah, the next speedway we do, which is Indy. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Overall P9, another top 10 so far this year. Uh, I think on a lot of ways we did a, a great job. Uh, some amazing restarts. We had a good car the first half of each stint and then really struggled on the older tyres, which is a bit strange, um, so we need to figure that out. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. We, our pit stops are not good. Losing lots of places each pit stop. Um, but we managed to make it back and keep fighting. Yeah, there's some things to work on, but overall it's good to capitalize on these kind of results and get them when we can. Uh, and then, yeah, the next one's Long Beach. It'll be interesting. So I'm looking forward to that, taking a week off um, and come back fighting, I guess. They did a great uh, strategy put us to the front, and um, that was made at the top end. What happened in the final practice that kept you out of it? I, I... started the race really well, um, and then, you know, what we found in qualifying, it happened in the race, we were very, very, very slow. Uh, unfortunately, the handling was okay, and uh, like that everybody did a great job tracking the best out of it, but just so couldn't, couldn't keep up with anyone, so... Um, Concerning, we got to work, we've got to figure out what's going on. Uh, it's certainly a big setback, and not where we want to be. So, um, yeah, those days I hate in racing, but that's part of the job, and uh, we'll uh, regroup and uh, try to figure out what's going on. Uh, Mario did a great job in P10, so uh, congrats to him. Um, and uh, yeah, we salvaged what we could today, obviously, and uh, we finished the race, which was good. One piece this time, uh, got some experience with the uh, with the crew and the team, but overall, we got to do better. Tough day. Tough day here at Texas. Uh, you know, we definitely had a top 10 car. We're definitely in the hunt, um, even though the headrest kind of fell off uh, on the right side, which doesn't exactly make our job easy at 6G. Um, by the time we got it sorted, uh, something happened in our clutch pack, so we didn't have a clutch. Um, which is actually why we ended up going from one lap back to uh, five. We just couldn't get the car fired, and it's hard to just push start an Indy car. Uh, <laughs> it's complicated. But, um, you know, all in all, just long day. I'm pretty sore and uh, looking forward to relaxing the next couple of days. Well, what a day. Uh not the way that we wanted to end. We were moving forward. We had such a good car. I feel bad for the 51 Biohaven Honda crew. Um, yeah, I mean, I was getting to a spot in the car where I was comfortable, and um, that last restart, we made a lot of positions up, a lot of passes, and I don't know if I was just overambitious or if uh, there was something in front of me that caught us out, but it just seemed like the cars in front of us checked up way more than they should have and crept up in the lane, and we had nowhere to go except for that PJ1, and that stuff is not fun to be in, so... Everywhere else, this track is a blast to drive on. The car was so much fun to drive, but uh, that that third lane, it's not there. So feel bad to hit the wall we, the way we did and end our day early. So huge thank you again to uh, all of the uh, drivers uh, that were uh, able to uh, to join us. Uh, as you can see, uh, or here rather, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of frustration, I think, um, from uh, some of those drivers. Uh, hopefully, they're able to uh, get back on track uh, as we are uh, a few weeks from now, uh, a week from now, actually, uh, to uh, uh, Long Beach. Uh, we'll, uh, you know, interested to see if some of those drivers are able, like we said, to uh, to get back uh, on track. Uh, waiting for uh, Mike to join us. Uh, I may or uh, may have not uh, sent him the link, so I just did that 
uh, now. So hopefully he'll be able to uh, join us. Uh, hopefully Josh is uh, still there with us. I see he may have uh, some connection uh, issues there as well, or he had to uh, step away uh, from the uh, from the uh, mic there for a minute. Uh, before while we wait for uh, Mike to uh, to join us. Um, let's go through uh, some news. I, I know uh, one story I want to hit, and then uh, hopefully Mike will be able to join us, and then we'll close with uh, the uh, the rant. This could be an epic rant, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, Josh is going to uh, be giving us uh, here in in just a few minutes. Uh, but yes, this is our uh, news and notes section, as you see uh, up there on your screen. Uh, we, we talked about this uh, earlier. Uh, but uh, we can now talk about it uh, for a few minutes here. Uh, Will Power is staying uh, with Pinsky uh, after he uh, signed a multi-year extension uh, on Friday. You know, it wasn't a matter of how, uh, but when. On Friday, Team Penske has extended the contract for its reigning uh, NTT IndyCar Series champion, Will Power. At 42, Power is set to continue in his number 12 Chevy Verizon entry, as both have recently committed to multi-year extensions. Uh, previously unannounced, the team confirmed that Power's presence will be seen and felt on the IndyCar grid for years to come. Uh, believed uh, the extension to be through at least uh, 2025, as the defending series champion pursues another title uh, with the Australian and teammate Joseph Newgarden and Scott McLaughlin, respectively. Uh, Power's American journey began late in 2005 with Team Australia in the former champ car series and uh, returned full to make his full-time debut the following season uh, where he earned the first pole position of his career on the on the way to placing sixth in the IndyCar standings. A pair of breakthrough victories and five more poles were added with Team Australia in 2007 and with Champ Car's demise after Long Beach, the Long Beach round in 2008, a race he won, by the way, uh, Power made the switch to today's IndyCar series with KV Racing Technology, the team behind Team Australia. Since 2009, the rest of Power's time in IndyCar has been spent behind the wheel of, of Team Penske entries, where two championships in 2014 and 2022 have been earned, along with his victory at the 2018 Indianapolis 500. Along with his most recent IndyCar crown, Power also has surpassed Mario Andretti, the legendary Mario Andretti, as IndyCar's greatest qualifier after securing his 68th pole at the 2022 season finale in Monterey, California. The veteran also ranks fifth on IndyCar's all-time win list with 41, one win behind 1991 CART IndyCar Series champion Michael Andretti. So uh, Will Power going to be uh, sticking it around uh, for a couple more years at least till 2025. So interesting to see how uh, that plays out. Uh, but I do see uh, that our uh, betting uh, concierge or uh, or guru has uh, joined us as uh, I finally uh, was able to successfully uh, send him the link. But uh, Mike, uh, as always, uh, thanks for uh, joining us here on this uh, episode. And uh, apparently, uh, looking at uh, your Twitter this weekend, uh, you uh, raked in uh, some cash uh, over this uh, Texas race. 
Heck yeah, man. It was a, it was probably one of my best weeks, most profitable, profitable weeks ever. So um, I'm pretty sure I was talking about it with you guys, but we had to wait a little bit for odds. But uh, I was all over New Garden and all over Pato. Um, I predicted Joseph would win, Pato would come second, and Dixon would come third. And my card was pretty much those three, and that was it. Um, I had both Joseph and Pato to win and had both of them top three. Best bet was Joseph top three. So uh, it was hits across the board. I also had a bet on Chevy to win. Uh, that was a nice little cash as well. Um, so, yeah, man, it was it was a good week. So uh, I will take it. I'm happy. It turned out the way just I want. I did get a little nervous. I don't even know how it happened when all, you know, when I, when I was watching Joseph Pato have a whole lap on the entire field, I'm just like having a beer. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, they let them, everybody pat you. We get a caution, they wrap everybody around and I'm like, oh crap. And I'm worried about Pelot. And, but so it was, it ended up being an exciting sweat, which is, which is the whole reason to do it, to make the race more fun. Um, and, you know, and then it's nice to also make a little money. Yeah, me and Josh put our uh, picks for uh, Sunday's race out on uh, on Twitter, and, and I ended up going with the uh, Pato Award. Uh, he took uh, Joseph Newgarden, and for the majority of the race, I was like, you know what, I may actually get one of these right this week. But <laughs> sure enough, uh, the uh, bad luck uh, kicks up, bites uh, uh, Pato in the ass again. Uh, you know, got what a kick! What a kick in the gut uh, for that whole team. Uh, Joseph Newgarden cruises to the uh, the victory. So uh, Josh now is two and zero on the season. I am zero and two. Got to get off the Schneid at some point. Uh, but it sounds like uh, Josh put a little bit of coin uh, this weekend down as well, and uh, you know took your advice, and uh, Josh ended up getting some money too. Yep, uh, one. I didn't win a lot. I didn't bet, bet a lot. This was my first. Uh, Entry into the uh, into into IndyCar, but I bet uh, award both to win. Uh, got it, put them on. Got them for the uh, top five and top three. Uh, wish McLaughlin would have finished in the top three. That would have been a good uh, chunk of change. But uh, I, uh, I I liked I liked betting. It was uh, it was it, it was nice. Um, I wish I would have stuck with my instinct and put the money on uh, on <clears throat> on New Garden to win, but. Uh, I'll I'll learn next time to go with my gut. I uh, got a bet going on today that uh, all I need is the O's to win out, and I win some money. But uh, it was a good weekend of of betting. Uh, I'll definitely take your advice. Um, I do have a question. I saw you. Where did you see those matchups at? I didn't find them on uh, Caesars. What uh, what site did you find them on? Caesars had them. Uh, oh. You had to. You had to. You had. They, they make things so hard to find. It's ridiculous uh, sometimes. You had to click on one of the tabs at the top. I believe it was the other tab. Um, oh, the okay. Tab. And then they they uh, they ended up going away. They didn't have them race day. Um, oh, okay. Some of them got hammered. Uh, the lines were moving pretty quick. Um, so they were there, and then they were gone uh, faster than you could blink. But they were there, I think, for a day. And then uh, once qualifying happened, I did not see them uh, come back. So, um, yeah, I didn't really – I wasn't able – um, I saw a couple of matchups on offshore books the day of the race, um, but I didn't end, end up betting any of those. Uh, it wasn't the same matchups that Caesar has. They were different, and the lines they were the lines weren't any good, um, in my opinion. I was you know, and I was pretty focused on that. Joseph top three was was my biggest bet in a while, so I was uh, putting most of my units for the race down on that, um, and then kind of splitting that up with uh, with more Joseph. I had more Joseph to win at six to one before qualifying. I was 
thought it was perfect when he qualified, you know, not on the pole, uh, kept his, kept his number high. Cause I dipped back in at the four to one, five to one range too. So, um, so yeah, so that was, I, that's where those matchups were. And again, like, yeah, Caesars made it hard to find. We played the waiting game again, uh, for bets to come out. I mean, we got, we got Caesars gave us a full menu. So that was cool. They gave us some group bets. We had a bunch of people bet Devlin De Francesco at four, 14 to one in a group bet which Tony and I talked about, we thought was just wrong. And it went all the way down to eight to one. Mm. Um, he would have cashed that bet had he not put it in the wall. Um, so that was a little bit, that was fun. Uh, it was a fun little bet, small bet, but at 14 to one, you don't have to, you don't have to put too much down. So, um, so yeah, Caesars had a full menu. That was nice to see the other books kind of drag DraftKings just had to win odds. I didn't see any top threes or top fives on DraftKings. I saw no matchups on DraftKings. Um, so hopefully, you know, now that college basketball's done and we're in the summer months, um, you'll get a little bit more attention on, uh, on some of the IndyCar stuff. The F1 stuff is blowing up. Um, I'm sure the Netflix show has something to do with that. Um, you know, there's, there's F1 stuff all over the place. So, um, but, uh, hopefully IndyCar gets the same. Yep. Uh, put five bucks down on Stingray to, uh, to finish top five. He was on his way. He was on his way and then he wasn't. <laughs> It would have been five bucks to win 360, 360. I was like, can't bet it. I mean, I can't, I can't, bla- can't pass it up. Stingray's my man. Yeah, I thought of you. I think I messaged Derek about that uh, when I saw that it was 80 or oh, something yeah. to one just for top five. And look, that's fun. Like, you know, five bucks. Uh, you're watching him the entire race, especially Texas. Things are, you know, people are passing on. It makes the race more fun. And that's what, you know, that's what we're trying. That's what I'm trying to do. That was the whole intent of some of this. Like, you know, this is not, you know, my uh, my source of income. Uh, this is for fun, um, but this is uh, uh, it's to get people more interested in any car and get some eyes on any car. I think it's done worlds of good for other sports. Um, I usually use golf as the example. You know, I'll be unloading a bunch of bets on the Masters this week, and uh, and I'll be watching the Masters solely because of those bets for the most part. Just like I watch, you know, other golf tournaments because of that, and and uh, I'd probably watch any of car racing anyways. But I do think we can get more fans if we get more people betting on it. Most definitely. Uh, Mike, in, in your opinion, um, I know, you know, it, it's frustrating uh, for you and obviously for Tony and everyone else that does bet on IndyCar that these sports books are putting the lines out so late. Do you think if more people were to put money and, and put bets on IndyCar that these sports books would put these lines out quicker? Or would they still continue to drag their feet? Uh, probably for sure. I mean, that would help. I don't think it could hurt. Uh, yeah. If they see people clicking, they're looking at clicks, they're looking at volume they're looking at interest. And, you know, right now it's probably, you know, that most sports books run a, a, like Circa is probably the biggest one in the world right now. Like it's volume based. They, they want to take as many bets as possible, uh, from us, you know, especially, you know, that's, you know, they want to make their 10%. They want to make their five to 10% hold. And, they, the more money they can get, the more money they make because they get that off of that 5%. So, um, yeah, if there was more interest, there was more money being down, there was more people betting, then, yeah, you'd see you'd see the sports books probably put out odds. Like, look, NASCARs and F1 are already out for, for the next races. Um, you know, we would probably see Long Beach now, even though it's two weeks away, and they would just want to collect as much money as possible, and the market would set the lines, and they really wouldn't get killed. But if we don't have a ton of people and there's not a ton of interest in the sport, then – and it's tough, but I mean, they, they post bets for dart matches for Christ's sakes. I mean, I'm pretty sure more people are watching IndyCar than dart matches. I, I saw the, the numbers. I mean, 
you know, what was it, 800,000 or, or 500,000 or something. So, Good stuff. Uh, Josh, unless you have uh, anything else, uh, Mike, are you going to be putting out uh, bets this weekend? I know uh, IndyCar is obviously uh, off until uh, next weekend at Long Beach, but are you going to be putting anything out, as you said, the uh, with the Masters this weekend? No, not on it. I usually try to keep the indie bet account just to the IndyCar stuff. Uh, no, I keep my other my other stuff. Just uh, I don't really tweet that stuff out. That's just uh, stuff that I see. But yeah, I'll have some Masters bets. Uh, I haven't figured all those out just yet. I'm still doing some research and listening to some podcasts, and I'll have that all figured. Uh, I'll have my card tomorrow, but uh, for that, but uh, but no, I'll keep probably nothing this week for me, and then next week you'll see me play the. Are we do we have odds waiting game? And then as soon as I see them, or as soon as I nowadays, uh, it is nice. People are people are sending them to me um, before I can even see them. So that's that's cool. That's something that's different. I felt like I was the only guy refreshing for the last couple of years. So that's cool um, that other people are interested in them. And the second they come out, I get some alerts. So and then I can post them out to everybody else that's following along. So yeah, we'll look to Long Beach. I'm sure uh, Joseph will be the favorite um after winning last week and winning long beach last year but uh i haven't done all my research but i'm pretty sure i recall her being pretty dominant and then sticking it into the wall he just does dumb stuff but he cannot do that he's fast um so if they lay if they lay a big number on her he hasn't had a ton of success at the beginning of the year that might be a, a small little uh pre-quals bet and we'll we'll kind of see but um yeah, the rest we'll have to look at. Um, have to dive in next week. Yeah, Herta seems like uh, he uh, he has a dominant car when it comes to a road or street course, but he just does something that uh, you know that just uh, buries him, and he needs to get off the snide as well as uh, Andretti Autosports as well. Uh, kind of a head scratcher where they've started the season uh, as well. But uh, Mike, we look forward to uh, seeing what uh, next week has in store at uh, Long Beach. Uh, we'll uh, talk to you in about uh, one week's time. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good night. Thanks, Mike. And that was uh, Mike with uh, Indie Bet there on on Twitter, uh, Burnout uh, Bets and Burnout Sports as well. Uh, before we uh, wrap, before we put a bow and uh, wrap up episode number 20 uh the last piece of news uh, that we have to uh, go over is uh for uh, for carb day this year for the indianapolis 500 and all of the uh, events that surround uh that race uh, carb day which is uh, for people that don't know that is the friday uh before the uh, indianapolis 500 uh they have a huge uh extravaganza for the younger folks and they have uh, a concert there and you can see up on screen uh, this past week, uh, it was announced that uh, the headliner is going to be Brian Adams. Uh, if uh, if you don't know Summer of 69, then that's about all you got in the repertoire there. And then you also have uh, opening up for Brian Adams is Soul Asylum. Uh, I'm, I'm a music guru, but uh, not when it comes to Soul Asylum. Uh, but I have a feeling uh, that uh, Josh may be, and uh, he, has, uh, he has an opinion a very strong opinion. I'm going to give you a warning, a very strong opinion uh, about this uh, Carb Day event, these two concerts. But uh, before we get uh, to his opinion, uh, let's. we have some uh, video uh, that he wanted to play to, uh, to set the table uh, there, so to say. Uh, this video does come courtesy of uh, 1070, 1070 uh, The Fan, the JMV Show. So let's play these two uh, video clips, and then uh, Josh will come back and... Lay the smacketh down. 
Speedway President Doug Bowles is here. It was very fortunate we had you here because that was the first of our many talk-ups to your Carb Day concert that was officially announced earlier today. That's David Perner and Soul Asylum and Brian Adams, who's on a world tour right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited about both. I think it'll be a lot of fun. You know, we talk about this a lot. It's hard to find 80s bands that are still the uh-huh. bands that we listen to and, or that we haven't had at the Speedway already. Mm-hmm. So, so to get Brian Adams there, you know, and I tell people, Pretty soon, we're going to probably have to go younger. Um, but well, right you now, told me that last time we you, talked. You know, yeah. And I think it's going to happen in the next year or two. But I'm excited at Brian Adams. He's a great, great show. That Reckless album alone, yeah. people may not, in their mind, know Brian Adams. You listen to that Reckless album, there's yeah. five or six songs that everybody knows. Well, I mean, they, they, he has a catalog of the 1980s. Yes. And really, he also blends into the 90s as well. Some people kind of forget about it. He's a big music yeah. fan, right? What, walk us through the process. Is a big music yeah. fan, right? How, what, walk us through the process a little bit. So it's a question I get a lot, and John and I have talked about this a yeah. lot on the air. It, it, you, there are a lot of bands, but you really can't pick from a lot of them because what happens is, especially now in this world where you've got the live nations of the world and the big arenas of the world, artists wait until they can pull their schedule together to go to those big arenas. And then they start thinking, okay, now what can I do kind of one-offs? I'm sure. a one-time promoter, right? I yeah. promote one event a year, basically. Yep. And so then, then you say, okay, here are the people that are available. Let's ask them. And then you have to make sure that their radius clause doesn't get them in trouble. So, like, if you play in Louisville and you do it within a certain time period, you probably can't play in Indianapolis. Yeah. So, that's, so you've got this radius clause. You've got timing. Um, and then for us, it's what, what do we really want? And we're still sort of in that 80s piece for Carb Day, but I do think there'll be a day when that changes a little bit as, as our folks get older. But that's really where we get to. And you start looking at, okay, here are the people that are interested in a one-off, and then some people, when they want a one-off, they go, oh, it's a one-off. I want a million dollars. When maybe they're only getting $250,000 in a, in, in a normal world. Sure. And I don't think people understand how much music really costs, right? People think, oh, oh yeah. fifty grand, or, But it's, it's you're well into, we're into the multi-millions of dollars in terms of what we spend for our music. And then that didn't include building the stage Absolutely. and all the production and all the other pieces sure. that you have to do, cover their hotels, their travel, on top of their fee. So it's it's a whole balancing act. So do you get a list of hey here's here's kind of the the genre that you want to go after and here's who we think's available here and you got kind of whittle it down right and say here's yep. three that we like let's talk to them and see what works is that kind of how so, right you'll go out to the three or four major agencies and you, and they know our event so they'll say here are the twenty artists we have that we think make sense and here's what they cost and here's whether or not we think they're available. And then you just start knocking them off. And the phone calls come in and, and, and see if it all works, right? That's all. I, I appreciate that. I've always I've been intrigued, right? Like it's a right. big it's a big thing, you know. You're you're bringing a big big show to Indianapolis, right. and, and and nothing better than the Indianapolis. <sighs> Doug, 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 Mr. Bowles. We greatly appreciate what you have done for the Speedway and what all the things you have done. I am 36 years old, and I can't tell you one Brian Adams song except for 69. Don't even know who, uh, who Soul Asylum is. I would ha- When you say that I have to go listen to their records to be able to tell you, oh, yeah, that's Brian Adams, and no offense to, the, to, our, to Brian Adams. He's a fantastic artist. But, yes, it is time for you to get out of the 80s. Let's get to the 90s. Some of the some of the for, here are some of the former play, bands that have played at Carb Day: Third Eye Blind, Kid Rock, Stone Temple Pilots, Three Doors Down, ZZ Top, 
There was stained and Papa Roach one night, one year in 2011. Leonard Skinner, Poison, Sammy Hagar, Jane's Addiction, Journey, Scott, Steve Miller Band. I could go on and on and on. You get some of the best artists to play on that Legends Day. But when you have the biggest crowd that you are going to have outside of the day of the race, which is Carb Day, you are going with an 80s band. You have got to be able to just come into the future. And yeah, it's a million dollars. You make way more than that. The stage is not that is it's not going to be it's not like if they're going to be setting up their big productive stage that they're going on tour with. All they need is a stage where they can play. And spend the money, throw the money out there. I guarantee you if you were to tell a band get a talk to a band that was even if it's an up and coming band that's more into this in, into this this generation you would get a lot more more people out there. I will not be going to Carb Day this year. One, due to the fact that I have to work, and two, the concert just doesn't sound doesn't sound interesting to me. Um, like we were talking about with Caleb earlier, IndyCar. Let's get into let's get into the new generation. You know, you're you're going to need fans down the road, and concerts like this are not going to draw that many people. Yeah, you're going to draw the old timers, the geriatrics, no offense to the geriatrics, but I just don't think it's going to draw that big of a crowd. Um, and it just, I, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. They, the, the bands you have had in the, in the past, fantastic. Get out of the eighties. Let's move on. Get to the nineties. There's got to be somebody out there that is willing to come and and play for the for everyone knows Carb Day. You, you go, you say the Indianapolis 500 around the uh, around the world, and somebody oh they all know the Indy 500. They know Carb Day. Carb Day is a big thing. You know, Senior Skip Day. That's when we all we all skipped and we went out to Carb Day and we had a great time. Come on, Doug. Do a little bit better. I'm, I'm expecting more next year. Remember, everyone, that's uh, Joshua Roberts on Twitter, uh, <laughs> at Warrior0565. Uh, but, but uh, you know what? I, I will agree that, uh, you know, we talk about you know, IndyCar having a, a brand issue, and, and I think this falls right in line with that. Um, if you want to get new eyeballs on the sport and you want to get younger viewers – uh, Doug, as much as I uh, admire what you've done, you and and the captain out there at at IMS, um, you have to up your game up a little bit. I'm not saying you go out there and get you know a little wheezy, which I I wouldn't go anyway. But you know you can't get somebody if you want new younger eyeballs. Uh, I think a one off by Brian at Brian. I was say Brian Brian Adams, yeah. And summer of '69 just isn't going to do it, but uh, that uh, that puts a bow, Josh, on on this episode. Uh, we'll be back uh, one week uh, from now uh, to preview uh, uh, Long Beach, the Grand Prix out there, at Long Beach, California. I know uh, a friend of yours, a very fond uh, Mark James of uh, IndyCar uh, Radio, uh, is going to uh, be joining us to do uh, to preview Long Beach as well. I uh, can't wait for that. Uh, anything else uh, that you want to say to the audience here before we wrap things up? Nope. It was a great show. Can't wait. On to Long Beach. 
on to Long Beach for sure. And in in, uh, in, in this episode, we didn't get the clicking voice, clicking sound uh, from my uh, uh, mic. So definitely improving, improving there as well. Golf clap for uh, Augusta this weekend. So uh, for uh, myself, uh, Derek Vance, uh, Joshua Roberts, everyone here at the Push to Pass podcast, uh, join us uh, one week from now. Uh, when we go in uh, preview uh, Long Beach with special guest Mark James. So until then, uh, we will see you in the next episode.